Welcome to this Niche AudioCast. My name is Will Patch. I'm the Senior Enrollment Insights Leader here at Niche. Today you're going to hear a webinar that's been converted to a podcast so you can listen on the go. You can find all the resources that are mentioned, as well as the original recording, on the Enrollment Insights blog, which you can find at niche.bz insights. Enjoy! Good afternoon to everybody out here on the East Coast like me. Good morning to everyone else. Really glad that everyone's joining us today. Uh, there's a lot to cover here. I can tell there was a lot of energy around it just based on the number of questions that we had submitted. We're going to take a little bit. We still have a lot of people rolling in. Uh, so letting you kind of get settled. You need to refill your water or something. You know, shake it out, stand up. You know, this is going to be, I'm aiming for 20 to 30 minutes of sharing some results, some tactical takeaways. The rest of the time, I want to be able to focus on the questions. We had so many come in. I expect we'll have a lot during the event today. We'll kind of go into some of that. But first up, as we're talking about this survey of juniors, I know we still have people rolling in. We're just past May 1 here. I want to warm up a little bit here. Let's uh, let's take a quick poll. How are you feeling going into summer? Feel like you're in good shape, ready to take some time off? Is there still some work to do to bring in that class? You know, are you still trying to dig out from all the emails and event uh, items and, and everything else going on in the work? Or maybe you're still telling yourself this is all fine, you know, no problem, we're doing okay. I'll let people as you kind of get in, get settled. You'll see me throughout here. Hopefully uh, no one's thrown off. I've got my oolong tea help, uh, help with all the talking here. So if you need to refill water, coffee, whatever, take a minute or so here, take a little break. All right, we see a lot of people still doing the work. I'm, I'm glad to see 18% so far are ready to take a vacation. The class is in good shape. A uh, little bit of a downside, about 16% still not feeling, 17% still not feeling quite there. Uh, so, good. Oh, this was just a relaxing uh, relaxing way to, to get us going as everyone's rolling in here. All right. Well, I'm going to start off a couple little housekeeping things. These always come up as questions, so want to get this uh, out of the way early. Yep, this is being recorded. Uh, you're going to get the recording tomorrow, usually about midday, one o'clock Eastern. I will be sending that out. You'll get the recording. Uh, if you want to listen to it again or share it with someone who prefers to listen to it, go ahead. Uh, you can listen to that in the Enrollment Insights podcast feed. You can find that on the Enrollment Insights blog. We'll send that out in the follow-up email but you can also subscribe in your favorite podcast app. A lot of great episodes, but then we take all of our webinars too, put them in podcast form, give you a little easier way to consume those as you know, you're at the gym, you're walking the dog, you're out mowing on your commute. If you're, if you're in the office, all great ways to do that. Uh, I'll be answering all those questions we got during registration first, but then as they come in, drop those into the chat that usually loads on the right hand side of your window. Go ahead, drop any questions that come up during the, the session today, and, and I'll get to those after the, the questions we have initially. All right, we still have quite a few people rolling in, but we need to, need to keep going here. Uh, this is our third annual survey. If you haven't seen the results yet, you can use the QR code or the shortened link, niche.bz slash 2023 junior. Either one's gonna get you to the full results. That'll help you uh, get, get everything you need there. Overall, just a, a quick summary, almost 5,200 responses this year. 
Uh, we had that open from late February to late March, getting that snapshot of the junior year here. Uh, overall, some demographics, 17% of students identify as low income. That's going to be bottom two income quintiles. 44% uh, of juniors didn't know or didn't respond. So all our demographic questions I make optional. I don't want people to feel um, you know, uncomfortable having to answer those. But 44% makes a lot of sense. I mean, these are juniors. They haven't filed a FAFSA. I don't know how many juniors this comes up uh, in terms of household income. So feel very good about that number. 25% were first gen. And I know that a lot of people have sort of the uh, different definitions of what first gen means. To me, the way we define it for all of our survey work is a first gen student is a student whose parents have not attended college at all. So high school diploma or less. And then 39% uh, were underrepresented minority students. So a lot of uh, students in there, uh, actually a little over representative of the US population, but not significantly so either. We also have uh, more categories. We tend to use some of these best practices rather than the US census categories. So I uh, had a question come in, just wanted to hit on here and I'll, I'll touch on it again. And uh, the podcast, if you want to subscribe and, and get the podcast version later, is the Enrollment Insights podcast. So we do two episodes a month and then the, the webinar episodes as well. Great. Thank you, Mary. All right. So diving into the full results. I'm going to jump in here. The, to recruit your class, you have to understand that class. So where is the class of 2024 turning to in their search? We gave them a long list of ways that they can research colleges and asked, what are your top three? If you had to choose from all these to do your research on college, what are your top three? Well, overall, number one for them was going to an individual college's website. They want to go straight to the source. If I want to learn more about this college, you know, I'm going to go look around there. Uh, number two was coming to niche. Uh, we see that already. Uh, they're coming here, doing the research, comparing options, uh, adding to their list, visiting campus, actually going there and stepping foot on campus. 31% said they go to their college or school counselor, depending on what their, their high school setup is. 29% uh, prefer email and mail directly from colleges. They like those comm flows. And then 27% said advice from friends and family was a top three for them. Less than a quarter of students, though, said they turned to social media, reaching out to current students at that college, uh, taking those virtual tours or attending virtual events, reaching out to admission staff or going to forums or groups to learn more about colleges. Uh, a few little new nuances here. That preference for a campus visit uh, was highest for students with a GPA of a 4.0 or higher, which to me speaks to an opportunity. This indicates the possibility that, you know, we can have success with in-person honors recruiting events. These high ability, high academic achieving students really put a, a larger emphasis on getting on campus. Uh, on the flip side though, less than a quarter of low income students prefer campus visits. Uh, so we see a lot of students that are low income, first generation, especially when we do our enrollment surveys at the end of the year here, a lot of them are saying they never visited any campus. So this is right in line with that. Instead, they're much more likely to say that they use their school or college counselor, great access tool there, uh, or they're looking to, at the Comflow materials like email and mail from the college. Uh, when we look at school or college counselors specifically, they played more of that influencer role if we look at students from private high schools. Uh, they were more likely to say that was influential to them. Uh, more likely also at urban high schools. This is also in line with some of these enrollment surveys that we've done where we see a much higher percentage of students at public schools 
who are saying they don't have access to their school or college counselor. So there's some other things that we could, uh, you know, dive into sort of a soapbox moment here of there's bigger issues here in terms of access to some of these resources. But overall, here's what we're looking for. Now, webinar, webinars, websites are number one, 62%. So it was a top three, but there's a little caveat here. One student responded to this question uh, of how do we make the search process easier and less stressful, stressful for students by saying they can make websites easier to navigate. Websites were the number one pain point when we asked this question. Uh, they were the biggest issue for students. They want it easier to navigate. Uh, their, their reference here, some websites take 10 different links just to find out the tuition for the year, or you have to use the search on site because you just can't find it. Overall, websites should be geared for that prospective student. You know, your intranet, whatever, is great for faculty, staff, current students, but prospective students and families need to be able to find information easily. So having a great website should be step number one. When we think about how students are using niche, I, I think it's really helpful here to know where they're going. You know, they're touching on that main profile and, and kind of seeing that top level information first, but these other pages they can dive deeper into information are called expansion pages. So we took a look at what expansion pages are they going to the most? And overall reviews were number one, 43% uh, of people who visit are going into the reviews pages. 19% are looking at rankings, admissions information, student demographics on down the list there but they want these third-party voices. They wanna know what other people are saying about the institution. They wanna know what others are, are thinking about them. You know, they can just look up the facts anywhere. But one of the reasons they're coming is they wanna see what else people are saying, what deeper information is there. Uh, visit, number three tactic there. Uh, so we did an Insta Insights survey back in January and asked about these traditional recruiting tactics. For high school students, half of them said that they had visited a college through an admissions visit. They went through the admissions office to schedule. That's great. That's the way we want them to do it, right? We want them to come in, take that official visit, talk to a counselor, go through that whole process. Okay, great. 7% then went ahead and visited through arts or athletics offices. But 22% visited on their own with no official setup. They went, they walked around, they were on campus. So how are you meeting those students? Do you have self-guided um, self tours? Do you have resources there? Uh, do you have QR codes around campus where students, even current students can learn more about buildings, resources uh, with that? I think there's some, there's some opportunities here to speak to that 22% who are coming to campus and never meet with anyone officially. So big opportunity there. Uh, we also asked what they want to experience when they do visit a campus. And when we asked that, seeing academic buildings was number one. And that doesn't just mean walking around pointing out the buildings because they want to see where am I learning? Where am I studying? Where am I meeting with my faculty members? Where's that experience taking place? Uh, they wanted to talk to current students, 57%, 56% want to see the residence halls. You know, a lot of students are living on campus. So they want to know what that's like. Makes a lot of sense there. 55% said they want time to ask questions. You know, there's, there's a lot here. One thing that I do want to call out too, the least popular thing that they were experiencing on a campus visit was a one-on-one -on -one meeting. That's the thing only 16% of students said they wanted a one-on-one -on -one meeting on campus. That's something sure, still offer that as an opportunity, let students opt in, but having everyone sit down with a counselor is off-putting to 84% of them. So something to think about there when you're structuring these visits. Okay, second point I want to dive into. Students really value diversity. 
they want a diverse campus. They want to experience people who think differently, have different backgrounds, have experienced different things in their lives. That's very important to them. When we ask about the important community factors for them, number one and number two were diversity. Number one, they want a diverse student body. They want to learn with people who have different experiences. Number two, they want a diverse faculty and staff. I've told people if you have to, you know, take this slide, take this graphic over to HR, show them this, help with some recruiting that way. But that is very important to students. And when you're marketing yourself and you're showcasing yourself, having these stock photos where you say, well, we have to make sure our photos are diverse, but do they represent your student body? Because you don't want a mismatch between what they see and what they hear and then what they actually experience when they come for a visit or enroll, because that's not a great experience. They want to have that paired experience. So be honest about who you are, but keep trying to move the needle because you do know it really matters there. There's some headwinds though, right? We have a Supreme Court case coming down any day now, uh, and I don't expect that to go in favor of what most people want in higher ed, what students want, what parents want. Uh, we have states that are downright hostile to diversity as well. We've got financial barriers. I'll dive into that in a little bit on the next slide here. But from the student perspective, 85% want a diverse student body and 82% want diverse faculty and staff. So there's a mismatch between what some people want and what the people who would actually experience it want. So we have to think about that. When we talk about this financial aspect, I don't want to go down a big sociological rabbit hole here, but there's an opportunity to keep serving underrepresented students financially if the Supreme Court limits it and says you cannot offer financial aid based on race or ethnicity. You cannot offer special events based on race or ethnicity, things like that. 43% of underrepresented minority students who knew their household income reported as low income and 21% of the peers did. So over twice as likely. And if we slice it, so we look at all of the low income respondents, 63% identify as an underrepresented minority. There's all sorts of bigger issues we could dive into there. But one opportunity I see is that if we can't tie financial aid, tie experiences to race or ethnicity, we still have the opportunity to tie it to financial need. If instead we have low-income student days. You know, how do we support students and make them feel comfortable? If we tie more aid to need, there's another opportunity because we're still giving it to these students. Um, you know, there, there's things that you have to look at with your own pool of students and see if this holds out for your own enrolling, enrolling class. But there's opportunities here that I think will help mitigate some of these changes that we expect. Third one, you know, people talk about fit right? Fits this ineffable idea. It's a qualitative thing. Well, I, it's what I feel. How do you represent and recruit and speak to a feeling? That can be really, really hard. But the, the interesting thing here is it may not be so feeling-based. It may not be so qualitative. So we asked, what does it mean for a college to be a good fit? What does it mean for a community to just feel right? And I was very surprised by the responses. Uh, stu most students did not consider social life, student organizations, other people's perceptions, how you feel on campus, the opportunities that you have on campus. Instead, what kept coming up over and over again, they care about what are the academics, what majors are offered, what's the cost, what's the campus housing situation, what are the graduate outcomes? These are all quantitative things. We have proof points. We have stories. Now, if you want to speak to fit, if you want to speak to this idea of you belong in our community, you have these these quantitative pieces you can tie to emotions and tie to stories. You know, there's there's 
a good piece here that makes your job much easier. You can speak to fit and you can speak to belonging while still hitting these major proof points that you have the data to back up. You don't have to have everything just this, this fuzzy thing of, oh, you'll just feel right at home. You're going to make great friends. It's you're going to make great friends in our housing that is like this. You'll make great friends while preparing for grad school. Here's our outcomes. You'll make great friends in this major. And here is everything about that. There's, there's a, a great opportunity here for personalization and relevance in your outreach, I think. One of the big storylines this year has been direct admissions. Uh, this is something that that is all over the place now. Um, here at Niche, we're in our second year of, of doing it. This is being seen as a positive by students. So we wanted to know what their perception is of schools that offer this. Uh, and we wanted to keep it general. So the way we phrased this was, imagine a situation where you create a profile with your information in it and colleges could come to you and offer you acceptance based on this profile. We didn't use the term direct admission. We didn't do anything like that. How would you perceive this college? Would you perceive them more favorably, the, the same, less favorably? And that's where I expected some positivity there. You know, we're removing a stress point, we're removing a pain point. What surprised me was the extent to which 80% of respondents said they would be more interested in college, they would view them more favorably if the, that college offered acceptance without applying. So direct admissions opportunities were huge here. One interesting piece that came out, direct admissions was viewed even more favorably by students from underrepresented minority groups. They felt these colleges, and we had some, some uh, free response with that, they were more likely to say that that was a college that cared about them. That was a college that wanted to remove stress, wanted to make it easier for them. They wanted them there. They were thinking of them as a person, not just a number, not just, and it always bugs me when students say things like this, but this college views me as less of someone who's just going to give them money. You know, that, that's not the goal there, but they, they viewed it much more favorably. In fact, 20% of juniors reported they were already aware of these types of programs. So the words out there, they're hearing from their friends, they're hearing it in the news, hearing it from their counselors. And this one, this is from a student who is a participant in our direct admissions program this year. Um, the video of this is, is moving. I've seen it a number of times now. But he said, being offered admissions to one school, even before I applied, made me think, maybe I am good enough. Maybe I do deserve to go to college. And so that made me try harder. I'm doing better in school. And that made me broaden my horizons. So the student who wasn't sure he was going to go to college. Uh, and then he finds out, oh, I am admissible. I do have opportunities to make it affordable. Okay, so he started working hard. His grades are up. I mean, that is a, that, that's not a consequence I think that anyone would have predicted. And yet it's fantastic that that's happening. Last point here, too much of enrollment marketing is being seen as noise to students. Uh, it's not quite hitting the mark. It's not quite fitting. So why is that? Well, overall, 22% of students said that all colleges look and sound the same. That's higher than last year even. Uh, and only 15% said that what they were receiving was very personalized and relevant. All of this though, for students who have received personalized and relevant communications, 84% said that made them more interested in colleges. So why isn't that happening, right? It's so easy if you have a CRM to customize every single tier of your nurture campaigns, of your comm flows. You know, you can have very personalized even mailings. 
there's great opportunities here to speak to exactly what the student cares about. So we just need to do it now. Uh, juniors said they were most interested in hearing about academics, the admissions process and requirements, financial aid. They want to hear about career services. They want to hear about student life on campus. Um, you know, when we look at some of these more nuanced looks, students at public high schools were more interested in career services, uh, outcomes information, financial aid, support services. They want to know what the experience is like. What am I getting out of it? Right? They want to know that they can get in, get well prepared, get have some great outcomes on the back end. When we look at students at private high schools, they're more interested in extracurriculars and student life. So when you're even going on your campus visits this fall, if you're visiting high schools, this can give you some information of what matters more. I know sometimes we want to hit everyone cares about uh, outcomes. Well, yes, but it's less important to those at private high schools. So you can tailor it more into the student stories or the other experiences you have on campus, things like that. When we ask at, when we look at uh, the, the comm channels the students are engaging with and receiving information on, across every single channel this year, students were less interested in hearing from colleges directly. I think that ties back to, for several years now, more students saying that they're not, everything looks the same. They're not hearing anything different. You know, the majority of them did not want weekly outreach either. And most of them did not want to receive phone calls. They didn't want video chats. This is something too, when we ask about the frequency of communications, um, the acceptability, and we, we phrase that as that. What, how, how frequently is it acceptable to hear each of these? The acceptability of weekly emails from colleges has declined from 81% saying, yeah, weekly email is acceptable. Now in 2024, for the class of 2024, only 45% said a weekly email was acceptable. Weekly mailings have dropped from 55% to 27%. So those postcards, the letters, all that, pull back a little bit because that's, you know, they say it's too much. And it's not, if it's not personalized and it's not something speaking to what they care about, it's not going to be as valuable to them. All right. Reminder, right after this is done, you know, whenever you leave, there's going to be a three-question survey pop up. Um, I'm going to aggregate some of the results of that, share that with some other uh, resources, some other items in the, in the email you'll get tomorrow. I'm going to dive into the submitted questions. Now, we had a record number. Uh, some I've combined because they were pretty similar. Go get a quick, quick drink, and then we'll dive in. Reminder, we've had some come in. As you have questions pop up throughout here, you can drop those in the chat window on the right-hand side, and we'll cover those in just a little bit. All right. First one, this is a more general question from Sarah first. Uh, what's the total population of juniors? You know, there's no good answer here. Looking at the 2020 U.S. Census data, there's about 6.8 million 17 and 18 year olds right now. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that they're juniors, but there just isn't good data on that because not all private and independent schools report federally. And then you get into homeschool students. So I, I don't know of a good resource. If someone does know a definitive accurate source of students by grade level. I would love to know it, uh, but you just run into so many things where, well, this group doesn't report, so it's gonna be off there, so. Uh, up next here, we had two very closely related questions. We're gonna answer them together. First up from Gregory here, did juniors feel empowered to take the lead on their college search and how involved are their parents? Should enrollment management and marketing strategically target parents of juniors? Uh, the quick answer there, yes. Uh, the second very closely related one from Allie, 
what role are parents and supporters playing at this stage? Um, you know, only 40% of juniors wanted colleges to send information to their parents. You know, that's something that you can absolutely ask on your inquiry forms of, would you like us to contact your parents? But even 25% of those who said that they didn't want their parents contacted said they would provide their parent con contact information if you asked them. Another 63% said they would provide it if they were interested in the college. So you've got even the students who say, no, 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 I don't think you need to send stuff to my parents. 88% of them said they would provide the contact information though. So uh, they still want to be that primary point of contact. They still want to be in control. Uh, but that's something that I think you have to ask them. It, it's a very easy thing. Maybe a supplemental form, maybe it's a touch point in, in your comm flow. Very easy to do. A few little nuances there. International students and those from US territories were the most interested in having their parents contacted, but less than a third of students in the Midwest wanted their parents contacted. Now that's, uh, you know, as we've seen this multiple years now in the enrollment surveys too, Midwestern students just tend to be more self-sufficient. They, they are less likely to have parents involved. They're less likely to want their parents included on things. They want to handle the search themselves. And as the product of a rural Midwestern uh, upbringing, I, I absolutely can see that. And when I think back to my search and my friend's searches, that, that is kind of a thing. Um, private high school students were, the, were more likely to want their parents involved. So when you're speaking there, more opportunities to engage parents. Uh, also, students from underrepresented minority groups, they were more likely to want their parents included as well. So opportunities there too. In terms of this other supporters question, uh, when we look at who the influencers were, family members were number two behind current students at a college, uh, and then their admissions counselor at a college, uh, and then school or college counselor uh, were the third, well, the fourth, but the third of these influencer groups. Uh, colleges were the most likely to have earned consideration. This is a separate question. We ask, uh, what, what would make you consider a college that you hadn't previously um, you know, what would make you earn that consideration? And so when we asked that, um, they were most likely to consider a college they hadn't previously heard of based on recommendations from their school or college counselor. That's a big supporter, their family, current students at that college, uh, conversations with faculty or staff, admissions counselors at a college or through rankings. So hope that gets it at what you were looking for there. Um, this question comes in from Chris. Uh, did the survey focus on students who were college bound or did it also include students who are not on the college track and would be better served by a career school education? Uh, Two-year programs in my mind are very much colleges. 17% uh, of respondents were considering community colleges, 8% were considering career and technical education. If they weren't on the college track, so in my mind weren't planning on attending college, uh, then they were disqualified because they wouldn't fit the survey because career technical education, community colleges are still college. So little little nuance there, but something I, I want to keep in people's minds there as well. Okay, this is a segmentation question from Karen. There's a very similar one from Patricia as well. Do you have data collected on underrepresented students and those with disabilities? Yes, on underrepresented students, we have a lot and where they were different, we've called out in the survey results. Um, we, we pull out on, on these demographic questions. Um, we look at income, first generation status, uh, race or ethnicity. We don't ask about disabilities. Um, that, that gets a little too personal. That's something I don't know really that 
you know, maybe, maybe that's something other people feel very differently about. It's just something I'm not entirely comfortable asking in, in the survey. Um, but yeah, if, if there were significant differences for any of those groups, we've called those out in, in the survey results as well. Uh, another segmentation specific question from Victoria. Uh, do first gen students have any particular concerns or search behaviors compared with high school juniors as a whole? There were not as many differences in the junior year as we see at the senior year. I think there's two reasons there for that. A lot of students at this point didn't know their household income, so they couldn't answer that, which makes sense. We haven't filed the FAFSA, we haven't gotten there yet. Um, but also we see the search process tends to be delayed for a lot of low-income students. When we do our senior enrollment survey and we ask, you know, where, when did you start actively searching? Or if we look at users on the niche platform, we see first-generation students, low-income students, underrepresented minority students, start much later. They're much more likely to start in the spring of their senior year even. So there's some of that in there too. Um, there were a couple places though that there was a significant difference between these first-gen students and their peers, so I want to call those out. First-gen students were much more likely to say they have fears about affording college, being socially or emotionally prepared for college, or making a mistake on their application. That's a, that's a big concern. You know, you don't want to mess up and, and whatever that means, but mess up and lose your opportunity. Uh, there was one hopeful finding around test optional policies. Low-income first-generation students and students from underrepresented minority groups were all more likely to believe that colleges don't require scores. And when they say they don't, then they don't actually use them. Uh, overall, there's just a lot of misinformation out there about test optional, test blind policies. And there were a lot of students who said, well, even if they say that they don't require it, I think secretly they still want to. And, you know, there's, that's frustrating. That's a whole separate issue. Uh, but luckily, these students who may benefit most from it were also uh, more likely to believe the colleges. So that was very promising. Uh, from Rahila, and I hope I pronounced that right. I'm sorry if I didn't. Uh, are these trends global? Definitely. The only place we saw a significant difference for international students that I really want to highlight was in that parent communication piece. They were much more likely to want their parents included, um, more, much more than though than domestic students. Um, there were some obvious ones that I don't think we really need to even call out. Things like campus visits aren't important to them. Seems pretty obvious. If you're overseas, it's much harder to come and just visit a campus. Um, but overall, in terms of the comm plans, things like that, very, very similar. The things they're interested in, things they care about, they still care about outcomes, still care about financial aid, they still care about the process. So uh, I want to take three related questions together here. Uh, so Kristen asks, how do juniors best like to receive communications from colleges and what's most effective? Similar here from Jennifer, do students have opinions on how much snail mail they receive? Yes, they do. Uh, Third here from Austin, do students like getting free things in the mail? And if so, what do they like to receive? So answering all three of these, I felt they were pretty similar. The preferences are shown here. We, we looked at this uh, to answer the effectiveness. That's going to be slightly different. I think that really requires a dive into your own data. And that's going to vary based on your comm flows. You know, we know that students like receiving emails. They place a high value there. But if the email just says apply today, visit today, you're not going to see that as being effective because you're not getting them excited. You're not making them want to learn more. You're not speaking to what matters to them. You're not providing information. You're only focusing on the actions you want them to take. So effectiveness really speaks to the structure and how everything is working on your end. 
Um, as for male, when we look at the, the frequency question, which was a separate question in the survey, how often is it acceptable to receive? Once a month was the preference for male, uh, and 8% of students said they never want to receive it. But either way, it needs to be relevant mail. It needs to be better than a postcard that just says, visit us with a QR code or a URL. That's not teaching them anything. That's not exciting. Them. That's not telling anything. That postcard is just speaking to something you want them to do, not speaking to something they care about or something they want to do. Uh, we didn't ask about specific swag items. Uh, I know Magellan Promotions a year or two ago, may have been three at this time, um, did an interesting survey on that. Um, but from social media, we know they do like receiving free stuff. I think we all do, right? I, I like free stuff. Uh, to be memorable, though, it has to be exciting and fun and something that stands out. So another pop socket isn't going to cut it. But, you know, I've seen some really great inquiry campaigns. They're just offering a free T-shirt, too. Students get excited about that more than we think they would. Um, don't underestimate a really cool T-shirt. Uh, I've seen schools sending puzzles, cards that can be planted and grown, grow wildflowers, frisbees. Just something that stands out. But yeah, they do. I mean, you think, need to think about your budget. Are you going to send this to every inquiry, or are you going to really focus it in? Uh, you know, that's that's going to be that's going to be a little tougher. Uh, I don't I don't think anyone has the budget to send out T-shirts to every junior prospect and in inquiry. Uh, a couple more questions here. I think I'm going to answer at once. Amanda asks, "What can universities provide juniors that's helpful and will get them to take that next step?" So it's that conversion action, right? Second, Emily is asking, I think, a really good question here. I would love a few ideas on what we can do next. Uh, they think that all colleges sound the same, don't like getting calls, don't want us to call their parents. So what's next? How should we communicate with them? I think we got to some of that. We want relevant emails, relevant mail. And then I think a really simple piece that not enough people do is a supplemental piece of your Comflow. So they fill out the inquiry form and then they get a supplemental form. That way you can keep that inquiry form short but in that, you can ask them, how do you prefer to be contacted? Really super simple. Uh, you know, that, that's something you have to provide that relevance. You need to speak differently to your inquiries than your prospects. So when a student inquires, you need to speak to what they inquired about. Because think about one inquiry is them asking for information, right? They're raising their hand saying, I have a question about if it's on a majors page, it's about that major. If it's a, on a study abroad page, they want to know about your study abroad program. So responding to both of those the same way and just telling them to apply and visit is failing to answer their inquiry. So instead, focus on how do we respond to that. The prospect, though, these are students who may not know who you are at all. So you have to tell them not only who am I, but why should you care? What's going to get them excited? How do you get them to raise their hand and say, I want more information? I want to learn more. That's a different process. That's You have to focus on the excitement. What's standing out? You know, are they... A competitor overlap. So, I mean, here at Netch, if, if you're looking, if a student's looking at their uh, a peer school and they've opted in, they can receive information about you. Okay, you already know they're looking at a school like you. So, are you giving information about what makes you stand out, or are you just providing them the same as everybody else? You know, are these contacts that you're giving them just soliciting a relationship? Uh, do you want them to have a back and forth? Do you want to get them excited, or are you just speaking at them? Is it just purely promotional and process based? Take this action. We have this. You know, are you focused on their needs, their fears, their desires, or are you just focused on your own goals? Uh, really, really great episode of the podcast. Again, if you join a little late, uh, it's the Enrollment Insights podcast. Uh, spoke to Teresa Valerio Parrott on Monday. 
great episode that gets directly into this about building the relationships, emails that are short, focused. I mean, very, 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 very timely here. Uh, so really recommend that one. But, uh, Kara asks, if name and brand recognition are leading decision factors, what can missions offices at small rural MSIs do to compete when updating our, when updating our website and branding content is not an option? Uh, first up, my question is, why isn't keeping the website updated an option? Uh, that, that to me is a red flag. Uh, so really want some more context there, but that's just, that's a major issue. Uh, branding campaigns, great way to get this. These awareness campaigns that tell people who you are, why should you care? Why should they tell other people about you? Um, owning your online presence. So on platforms like Niche, on, on Google My Business, on every platform out there, you know, are you there? And are you active? Uh, take advantage of these reviews. Take advantage of these advocates that, that want to speak to how great you are. Um, direct admissions, we're seeing that as a great way to get in front of students as well. Uh, I would really ask how you're influencing the influencers as well. So get in front of counselors, get in front of CBOs and others who are serving your target, target audience for years to come. How do you get in front of them and get them to advocate, advocate for you? Make sure they know your name. They can tell people, oh, you're interested in this program? I remember that this college offers that. I think you'd be a good fit there. Let me connect you with their director, their counselor, whomever. So there's a lot of ways that you can build that brand and name recognition. Uh, you don't have to have D1 athletics for that. So, uh, good question here from Katie. Do you feel like juniors are more engaged in their college search versus recent years? I'm wondering where, if we're starting to see a new normal emerging and what that looks like versus pre-COVID priorities among them. Uh, I think that they've always been engaged. It, what that looks like just changes over time. So while there's certainly this online pressure for them to talk about their search, uh, pressure to feel like they've got it all figured out and and because their friends are posting these exciting photos, things like that, you know, there wasn't really that 20 years ago. But what we're seeing now with this declining interest in this direct generic communications with colleges, we're seeing more online searches, uh, less just raising their hand to a college and more of a shift to what I'm, I'm referring to as a window shopper mentality. Uh, I wrote a playbook covering this last fall. I'm gonna share that in the follow-up from the webinar, but how do we speak to students when they are coming in from the side? They're, they're not directly engaging with the admissions office, and there's some great ways to do that. Uh, in terms of changing priorities, which I think is a little bit different, we're, we're seeing more interest in the past couple of years here of colleges. Students are more interested in colleges that prioritize the arts, safety, diversity, social issues, uh, we're seeing less interest in prioritizing athletics. Um, really, when the pandemic started, we saw a flip where students had been more interested in, in colleges that prioritize athletics. They liked that experience. And it flipped, and arts uh, was more of a priority. And it's maintained that since, which was interesting. Uh, and Greek life being the only net detra detractor as well. Um, they are less interested in colleges that have Greek life. A uh, question from Levi here. How did juniors view the workforce they'll be joining? We didn't ask that in this survey, uh, but in other surveys, we've seen the same answer pretty consistently. Uh, so we typically don't ask in everything, uh, but they, they are very confident in their ability to get a job after graduation, which makes a lot of sense right now. You look around, you see everybody hiring. It's pretty easy to be confident. Now, how prepared are they going to be? Are they going to be ready for that? Uh, you know, there was, a, there was a study recently, I wish I could remember who it was from, talking about um, 
students think starting salary is seventy thousand a year. Uh, that's that's going to be a rude awakening. Um, so I, you know, there's some other issues there, but overall they've been pretty confident in the past, and um, we'll have that that answer here in the fall on our enrollment survey. Uh, from Amanda, how is this going to be impacted by the College Board changes? Is NIST changing to help universities with the impact of the College Board changes? You know, I don't think these survey results will be affected. Uh, it may actually improve the junior experience because they'll get less prospecting. So rather than receiving these prospect outreaches to programs they don't know about, have no interest in, might not be anything like what they're looking, um, they might get more relevant information. Uh, it's certainly going to save admissions offices money. Uh, you know, one thing that we do here, and I saw a lot when I was in all of your shoes, I saw a lot of uh, a lot of success with the competitor overlap here at Niche, where if a student is looking at a peer of yours uh, and they opt in, then you can contact them as well and say, hey, we're very similar. Have you heard us? Have you considered us? Um, that's that's a great way to get in front of students who are already looking for your type of institution. Um, I mean, for us, Niche is still the most used platform. And now with direct admissions, uh, we're already well ahead of any of these changes. Uh, so no no big changes to completely you know change what we're doing uh from colleen uh no let's see we continue to see an increase in the number of schools that students apply to so hoping feedback includes that trend and how that's projected to look over the next three to five years um, no feedback from this survey because of juniors so they haven't started applying yet uh, but we do have data from our annual senior enrollment survey uh, the eighth annual version is running right now it's going to come out in early september uh, so you can look for that, uh, but we can look to both ends of the uh, we can look at both ends of the spectrum here, uh, see what we might expect in the future. So I pulled in some data here. Uh, 2023, the results are still way too early. We only have 4,100 responses right now. It's only been up for a week, um, but so don't quote me on this come come September. But right now, uh, you know, 30 percent of students have, are this year are saying, this is seniors too, not juniors, saying they applied to 10 or more colleges. Uh, so if this trend continues, I think we can keep seeing one to 2% more students applying to more colleges, to five or more colleges, uh, two to 3% applying to 10 or more. And this is a big if, because we don't know how everything is gonna change, but we could see 40 to 50% of students applying to 10 or more colleges in five years. I think direct admissions has an opportunity to change that though. So if students know they're admissible and they have that financial aid up front, they might may not need the to cast such a wide net of just in case apps either. They say, well, okay, I know I can get in here. I know what my financial aid is. That's good. I don't think I need to apply to five, six, seven other colleges just in case. So we don't know yet, but we see at both ends of the spectrum there. Students applying to only one college has decreased since the pandemic. That's that orange line there. Um, 10 or more has increased significantly. We had a downward trend, slight dip up, and then big spike. Uh, last fun one here, and then we'll get to the questions that came in. Uh, from, from Dan, my favorite director of marketing. Sorry, everyone else, but you know we worked together for a while. What's Will Patch really like? Uh, I, I love data. I love helping people. Reach out if you have more specific questions after this. Um, this is what I love to do, is, is dive into the data, help people. I get to learn and I get to share it. So that's really, really fun. Um, if you haven't seen the full results, you can use this QR code or the shortened link. Uh, there's my contact info and we will dive into the questions. What was the geographic distribution of the survey responses? Um, Kelly, I don't have that in front of me, but it was 
it was comparable to what you see the US population. Uh, one of the nice things about Niche being such a large platform is our results always come out very, very representative. We don't have like these clusters where, well, everyone's in this region. Um, so it was, it was very representative. Uh, if you want to reach out to me, I can do that. But um, okay, do you think that students' communication preferences will change as they get closer to the decision point? Uh, from Pam here. Uh, we see we tend to see pretty similar results uh, in the senior class. Um, I can do some side by side actually. Uh, I might I might just include that in the follow up email, looking at our senior uh, results and our junior results. Um, there's not huge differences. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll share that out. Uh, I'll make a note here so I don't forget. Uh, but yeah, we can we can do that. Um, let's see from Rick. Hey, Rick, uh, when are students ready for text messages from college? Uh, if they opt in, then they're ready junior year. I mean, we had it wasn't a huge percentage of them that wanted it as juniors. But for those who do, and this is where I really think that supplemental form after they've filled out a short inquiry form, following up with things like parent contact information, extracurriculars, um, you know, texting, communication preferences, uh, that's something that I always, always recommend. You know, if you can get them to opt in in that supplemental form and they say, yes, I want text messages, then they're ready junior year. It just comes down to, do they want it? And that's as easy as just asking it. Um, but yeah, we had a decent number who did want as a junior. Um, Teresa, how many students were surveyed? It was just under 5,200. Uh, we had that uh, very beginning there. Uh, Jeff, oh, thank you. Knocking on College Door is a great resource for populations by state as well. Uh, I'll take a look at that. I'll share that resource in the email as well. Thank you, Jeff. Appreciate that. Um, but yes, there's, Witchy does a great job. We always have the problem though, since not every school reports, you can never get a 100% look of here's the exact number of juniors. So that was getting back to that question. Um, let's see, from Sue, if we don't ask about disabilities, are we erasing students with disabilities? Um, no, we just aren't. We don't have any segmented results for them um, because that's a question I'm just not comfortable asking and trying to deal with. I'm, I don't have good resources on how to standardize that, the best way to ask those. If anyone has those, I'm happy to take a look at them. Uh, but it's something that I don't I don't know how to ask in in the best way, honestly. Um, but yeah, if someone has great resources on, here's the best way to do that. Um, I can definitely take a look at that. But yeah, there's there's a lot a lot of segmentation you could do. I don't think by not asking it you erase them. But no, I mean that's something that you do. If you have processes and, and services, you can absolutely ask that as students inquire, as students uh, come into your systems. But um, let's see, from Gavin, studies show that about a quarter to a fifth of Gen Z identifies as LGBTQ+, that's a huge segment of the population. That's much higher than, than what I've seen. Uh, do you have any data about their enrollment choices? No, it's generally, um, this is generally something that in surveys you're recommended not to do. Uh, we do ask about their gender identity, uh, but we don't ask about um, their, their preferences there. Um, so we do have the data on students who identify as non-binary or other, but we're not gonna get into others because it's just recommended not to uh, in surveying. 
Um, Lee, I will email you after. Um, we can get to that. Uh, from Ryan, what's the best way using marketing strategies to get in front of your target audience, especially juniors, as they're building their college list? They're primarily doing their search online. We keep hearing that over and over again. Uh, so best way, get in front of them, be where they are, be active and engaged. Uh, you know, that's why we see, you know, we know the best ways that they say they want to uh, are going to your college website. So make it easy to navigate, make it easy to find the information they care most about. So academics, outcomes, financial aid, how easy from any page on your site is it to find those? That's the thing we always forget about. Um, every page on your website is a landing page essentially, because no matter what they're searching for, they might wind up on a program page, on extracurricular page. So from every page on your website, can they find these key pieces of information? Can they fill out an inquiry form on every page on your website? Can they find what they want no matter where they land? That tends to be overlooked. We look at that front door being the homepage, but that's not necessarily it, right? They're looking at a lot of different information. Uh, so going to where they are there, uh, we know niche is, is the number one platform they're going to as well. So having that presence, being sure that when they're doing searches, that your website is optimized well and you're showing up there, um, you know, that that's going to be the top ways they say they want to receive information. All right. Any other questions coming in? Reminder for everybody, uh, we're going to be sending out tomorrow, usually about noon or one, you'll receive the follow-up email. It'll have additional resources. Uh, it's going to have uh, the recording, a link to the podcast episode. Uh, if you want to receive that even earlier, you can uh, subscribe to the Enrollment Insights podcast on your favorite podcast app. You'll get that there. Um, but yes, if you want to see the full results, use the QR code, use the link here, dive in. If you want to reach out to me with more specific questions, happy to answer those as well on LinkedIn or on Mint, um, email. Uh, one more question here from Colby. In terms of college search preference, any insights for high school visits and college fairs in terms of effectiveness? Yes, there was actually a, a um, Instant Insights survey we did back in January. Results just came out uh, not too long ago. Uh, there, you can find that as the uh, uh, the the uh, I'm blanking here. You'll find the results on the blog here. If you just go to niche.bz/research, you'll see all of our research. Uh, there's a webinar discussing similar to what we did today, and the podcast episode around it as well that gets into the high school visits, college fairs. Um, the the visits to a campus basically all those traditional tap tactics uh, but yes i can include that in the follow-up as well so another note here uh, thank you mary uh gavin yes so there'll be a copy of the slides uh, that will come out uh tomorrow as well it'll be on the landing page with the recording of this um gavin if you just want to email me i can just email them to you right now too if you want to sprint upstairs um yes thank you so much to everybody uh, this was a huge audience. Uh, I've, I've been at smaller conferences. Uh, so I'm so appreciative uh, of all the great questions. I mean, if you have any other questions, if there's anything we can do to help, reach out to me. I'm happy to have that conversation. Uh, I hope everyone has a, a great day and, and stay safe.